0: Welcome to To Every Generation the Broadcast Ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields located in Jamesburg, New Jersey where we teach through the entire Bible verse by verse and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 starting with verse 14. The last time we saw the parable of the two sons and the parable of the landowner and basically what we can take from that is the main point is whether it was a contextual issue back then or what we deal with today, Jesus is basically saying, you know, why are we believers? Are we just giving lip service to God? Are we putting on a good show or do we really follow his word? Do we really want to honor him? Do we really want to love him by being obedient? These are important questions to ask. This morning we're going to cover two parables, the parable of the strong man, which is a picture of Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel who rebelled against God, took a following with him of a third of the angels, according to Revelation. So the parable of the strong man, and also the parable of the wandering demon. Now if you've never read the Bible before, you've been to a church where they didn't cover the whole book of the Bible, the whole... You know, 66 books, you might say, What's that? So you are in for a treat because it is really kind of fascinating, maybe a little hair raising if you've never heard it before. But if you look at the context of what happens, what's, what precipitates the Lord speaking this parable or these two parables? Well, the first thing is that Jesus teaches on prayer. So you can look in this in chronological order. He's teaching on prayer, is going towards the end of his ministry before the crucifixion. He speaks of his deity. He's more forward about him being God in the flesh, and uh, you know there's 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 an, a, a, an assassination attempt, a, a close encounter. It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, you're like, wow, I, I never knew that that was in there. It's really pretty. Jesus had a very busy life. Uh, he did a lot in some three plus years. And the last thing that happens is he casts out a demon, and of course people marvel. Can imagine what that must have looked like you know you were just reading the words on the page but others questioned where his power came from you know how does he do that and some were skeptical you know how does this work um, but this morning we're gonna see basically the main point in this is in this parable is that Jesus has power over Satan and there's a whole legal issue why Satan is the prince of the power of the air why he has so much control on this earth I mean, it's a fallen creation but Jesus is the only one who could bind the strong man and plunder his goods and basically free souls from the blindness of of not knowing God to actually knowing God now in these what i call polyvalent parables meaning that they there's a main understanding but there's a lot of subordinate meanings to it okay and and only god's word has the power to do something that amazing especially 2000 years ago there's other issues in these polyvalent parables in that They they address how how do we fit in? How can we be a part of binding the strong man through Christ? It gives us a peek into the spiritual realm. As if we take time, space, and matter and peel back the curtain, God gives us a glimpse in in the spiritual realm, which I submit to you is the real realm. And we're going to take this in five parts. So there you go. (laughs) Jumping in with verse 14, it says, And he, Jesus, was casting out a demon, and it was mute, couldn't speak or it made the man not be able to speak. So it was when the demon had gone out that the the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, okay? So the first out of five is Christ cast out a demon. Now, demons, if you understand, if you go through the scripture, of course they hate mankind, the object of God's affection. They try to torment people. Um, They cause afflictions at at times, right? Uh, But not... Not all the time. So, in other words, you can go to a ministry where there's a demon under every rock, and you gotta be careful of that, okay? Some issues that we deal with are congenital, they're biological, they're genetic. However, when someone is possessed by a demon, another category is demon affliction, okay? But it doesn't mean all affliction is demonic. In this case, the man, again, was mute. He couldn't speak. The demon controlled his motor functions, his nerves, in that particular part of of voice and speech, and he was able to paralyze it. Now, I I just want to go a little further with this. Again, in some teachings, you hear that every sin has a demon behind it. Yes and no. Yes in that, of course, the demonic realm wants us to sin, wants us to pull further away from God, Wants desires for God to judge his own creation. However, we also have personal responsibility. all right. And you, you see some of this. I'm going to cast out the demon of anger in you. I'm going to cast out the demon of greed, the demon of lust. I don't know. You've got to be careful with that kind of teaching. Because if we say the devil made me do it, what does it do? It takes away personal responsibility. When I sin, I have no one to blame but myself. And the question is, who are we going to listen to, right? Are we going to listen to our flesh, or are we going to listen to the Spirit? Now, this is an important question because I'm asked it a lot. The question begs, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? It's a legitimate qu- question. The answer, no. <laughs> you can breathe a sigh of relief. 1 John 4.4, 4, the second part says, quote, He who is in you, meaning the Holy Spirit, sealed believers, is greater than he who is in the world. So God in the form of the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful and demons are created beings. There's no way they can get in there. They can fit in there with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And there's no way they would even attempt it because that's their creator they'd be trying to mess with. Uh, Again, their time is short. Can they, brothers and sisters, can they harass us and tempt us? You bet. (laughs) For the last few days... Before covering the Sermon of Spiritual Warfare, I got frustrated so many times, and I just, just had to come back to, it's just, it's just a test. It's just a trial. It's trying to get me off my game, trying to get me off studying for this message. So they can harass us, and they can tempt us, and they do do that, and they will do that. Uh, but they can't inhabit a believer. The blessing is in 1 Corinthians 10:13 that God provides us with a way of escape. So with every temptation, right... There's always a, an escape hatch. Do we take it all the time? No, but we can if we desire to. Continuing, verse 15. It says, but some of them, <coughs> the onlookers, said he casts out demons by Beelzebub. Well, we just saw that the multitudes marveled, but there were some skeptics, and they, some of them had an agenda, especially the religious class. Um, Beelzebub, the the ruler of the demons, and others testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. To that I say, really? You just saw a demon get cast out. What more do you need? What sign can be more amazing than that? But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will this kingdom stand? How will his kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So two out of five is the question of the origins of Christ's power. Some marveled, many marveled, others criticized. There's always going to be armchair critics, no matter where you go. And I can tell you, it's getting worse in our society. They have whole websites designed for armchair critics to spout off about what they like and what they don't like. Um, and well, I just want you to take heart, because even Jesus had his critics. So the Son of God, God in the flesh, had his critics. You know, I would just say as a believer, as a Christian, don't be a critical spirit. You know, sometimes, and it's just an odd thing, you know, you, whether you look at the aggregate church, you run into people who are just always critical. You know, they're always sitting there pointing the fingers at what you look like or how you dress or what's going on in the sermon or what's right and what's wrong in their eyes as if somebody gave them this authority to do that. And I never find those people actually stepping up to the plate. It's just a critical spirit. And they they really do drive people away, uh, especially those that are coming and seeking the things of God. But what does Jesus do? He uses logic. I love this about, there's a whole branch of of logic in Christianity called apologetics. I'll just go back to Isaiah 118, where through the prophet, God says, come, let us reason together. And I love that. God gave us a brain, a big brain with uh, like a billion neurons and trillions of synapses and those numbers are staggering. The brain can do so many things, it can multitask. And God says, I gave you a brain, let's reason together. And I love that. So Jesus on the earth used a lot of logic, right? I mean, when you come to church, you don't check your mind at the door. Hopefully your mind is opened up to receive more information to strengthen you so that you can go out there and do spiritual battle. The answer to every question is it's just because of faith. It's just because of faith. Faith is a huge part of it, but God also wants us to reason. So Jesus is reasoning with his accusers and saying, listen, your accusation against me makes no sense. If, if I'm doing this by Satan, I'm casting out Satan by Satan, his house is divided, and his house can't stand, and it, couldn't, it shouldn't even have stood for this long. And I'm paraphrasing. Furthermore, whom do your sons cast them out by? Because there was legitimate practices, even before Christ, of using the Word of God in prayer to, to do these, I guess you would call them exorcisms, modern terminology. It's very interesting. Verse 20 but if I cast them out by the finger of God... Now, this is amazing. He uses that term, by the finger of God. You know, when I was a kid, <laughs> I was small, you know, and, and I ended up watching The Exorcist, and I was terrified. But after watching that movie, you know, it's so so passe, right? The, the new ones are more scarier. But you get the impression that good and evil are equal, and God is he's, he's really having a hard time with this demonic realm, and they're really giving him a hard time. But... He created the angels and some of them fell and turned into this situation. And their time is short and he's going to judge them. But, Jesus says, they can be cast out by the finger of God. A flick. A flick. The exorcist took two two hours, right? To just, you know, and one of them died and the other one was mortally wounded and Jesus probably took, I don't know, 45 seconds to do the whole thing. Uh, But, Again, this is, this is this Hollywood, and that's why you have to read your Bible, because you can't go understand spiritual things by Hollywood. You have to do it by the Scripture. Um, he basically said that if, if this is the case, and, and I'm doing it by what I claim to be doing it, by, that, that God has come upon you, the kingdom of God has come to, your, to earth, and in a sense, you're missing it. You're missing the boat. And many missed the boat back then, and it's sad. And many miss the boat today. And when we look at society's ills, whether it be terrorism or crime or hate or whatever, Christ is the answer. But those, it's almost like a brainwashing machine. When you become an elected official, the higher you go, that's never a consideration. God, he's not even on the list. Forget about being last on the list, but I mean, he's the answer. You know, we're, well, we're men, we know we're smart, we're intelligent, we can, we can figure this out. And they're so smart that they're foolish. But today, people are missing the boat. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. You know, Jesus also spoke about those that go around. And and there was, you know, when Jesus, just like today, you preach a message and there's, there's a whole mixture of people that are listening. So Jesus spoke and the multitudes were amazed at what they saw. And then there was critics. And then there were the religious leaders who were irritated with him because he was exposing them. You know, you had all these things going on. But Jesus, many times in the Scripture, he goes further about those that are always seeking a sign. There's a whole signs and wonders movement. Every day you go to church, a miracle happened. You know, every day the hair is standing up on the back of your neck. According to, to the Lord, be careful with that. Because there's going to be a whole lying signs and wonders movement. Revelation te- speaks about the dragon and the false prophet and, you know, all these evil workers of of seemingly signs and wonders. They're going to draw the earth in and he's going to send them into the wrong place. They're going to be worshiping the Antichrist through signs and wonders. So even Jesus was critical of that. Interesting. Verse 21. He said, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger comes, a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, He takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides or plunders his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Three out of five is the parable of the strong man. So I just tell you a funny story. When I was growing up, I grew up in two of the five boroughs in New York. It was a little bit of a there was some rough neighborhoods. There was a lot of fights. I got into some fights. And uh, I know, hard to believe. <laughs> and uh, I remember a good advice, and I believe it was from my stepfather. He said to me, there's always going to be somebody bigger than you. There's always going to be somebody stronger than you. And there's always going to be somebody that can kick your, I'll leave that blank. And that was good advice. And it kept me grounded. It kept me not looking for trouble. But it kind of, rem- when I read this, it reminded me, because Satan here is the strong man. He's the toughest guy on the block. And nobody can take him. There's no human on earth that could take Satan until Jesus came alone. Well, of course, Jesus was fully God and fully man. In the Gospels, we read that the demons feared Jesus. They they were afraid. Oddly enough, at times, they asked for mercy from Jesus. When you go through the Gospels, it's really liberating, it's eye-opening. You get the whole thing in context. It's amazing. So... I want to digress for a moment before I speak about Satan as the strong man and how he becomes overcome and, you know, what we see and what Jesus did and how he opened the door for us. So let me digress for a moment and talk to you about legal issues, right? We live in a world of, you know, you break the law and there's a consequence, or you, you have civil law and you do something and you shouldn't do, and there's civil repercussions. But there's legal issues at stake be- because mankind because of sin, forfeited God's creation. So God removed his blessing of the beautiful lush earth in the Garden of Eden just effortlessly producing fruit, the ability to to live forever, okay, in a fleshly state. So when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Death, suffering through sin. So mankind, in a sense, forfeited God's creation because it was given to him by the Lord to tend and care for, forfeited to the enemy to Satan. And Satan has a very secure kingdom. He operates on pride, on murder, on lies, on fear, on perversion. You know, when you turn on the the news or you go on the internet, we, we really live in an era where you don't know what's real and what's not real anymore. The lies, no one's ashamed to lie anymore. And it's so pervasive, and lies are covered up by other lies, and they just keep steamrolling. And I'm telling you, I believe that Satan is amping it up, because his time is real short. You look at the terrorism in Europe. Um, so many, remember that one in the, in the theater, it was a, over a hundred people were killed. The numbers are staggering, they're astounding, and you know a lot of what we don't hear, because I, I listen and I look for overseas news, we're not hearing a lot of the terrorist attacks that are happening in Africa, uh, right? Or uh, uh, the, some of the Asian countries. You know, we're almost Europe Europe centered when we look at the news. Or it's not us. Whoever puts the stuff out, it's really bad out there, right? If you think that this world is utopia, you're, you're living in a fantasy world. You know, you're making that up in your own mind. But so this is what Satan does, and his goods are in peace. He deceives people. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul said, he speaks about Satan as a little god, meaning a false god. He speaks about the god of this age blinding unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And this is what he does. right? Why do the European politicians, why are the politicians of the world discounting God as a solution, because they've been blinded by the enemy to think it's stupid, it's backward, it's medieval, it's archaic. You know, we're an enlightened society, and this is what he does. So what Jesus did was he bound the strong man, he plundered his goods, he gave him a whooping in modern terms. And he was allowed to, his goods were those that he's held captive by lies and deceit and fear for so long. And people all of a sudden started to get saved. There's another scripture. I got so many scriptures in my head. And I felt like I needed to do that this morning because I think a lot of people don't know as much about the spiritual realm and the demonic realm as they should. So I'm using a lot here to put it all together. So Jesus, by dying on the cross, wounded, heavily the, the strong man and then he's going to come back a second time to physically redeem the planet. But there's a scripture that speaks about from the days until John until now the kingdom of heaven is being thronged and the people are taking it by force and what Jesus meant was almost a sort of quasi parable is that since John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and Jesus's death for our sins all of a sudden the floodgates of heb- heaven are just opened and people are thronging, just masses, billions, trillions of people coming into God's beautiful kingdom because of what Jesus Christ did on the earth for us. So a few scriptures here. If we could put up uh, image one as well. You know, I was looking kind of like the epic battles between good and evil. And this is kind of cool. It really struck me. See the demons over here and here are the, the angels. And they're kind of like upside down. We can leave that up for the rest. It just caught my attention because, you know, up and down, standing upright, that has to do with gravity. We're on a big ball of densely populated minerals and compounds and stuff. And therefore, it tells us that gravity will pull us down towards the center. So wherever you are on this ball, wherever your feet are, if it's on the ground, that's down. And up above your head is up. But that's only on the planet or planets. Out in the eternity, out in space, there is no up and down. So you see there's this cosmic battle between the forces of good and evil. Going on, you walk out into the street, you walk through Jamesburg, you can't see it, but it's going on. Some of them have their claws, their talons dug into people's shoulders. They're riding them. Others are inside of them, you know? We throw general terms out like crazy because we don't know. Is it a mind thing or is it demonic possession? The, the violently insane, why are they so violent? see what people do to each other some of these crimes uh, the reports that were coming in from england about the slashings and who does this slitting people open torturing them it's not normal it's demonic <laughs> and again the world doesn't see it few scriptures john 12:31. jesus speaks of the judgment of this world and the ruler the temporary ruler satan to be cast out your days are numbered you're gone at a certain point Ephesians 2.2, 2, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and he works in or inside the children of disobedience, of course, those that are not born again. Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And 1 Corinthians 10.3-5 through 5, says that we, for though we walk in the flesh, right? skin, bones, whatever. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When you start to get into the battle, you understand this. It makes sense. My wife and I, and I'm going to be very vague, and it's not like anybody's going to know this person. Someone in our family. He, we, we started talking to him about the Lord. You know, He's into the angels thing, so we, we kind of went in that direction. And he, you're going to read this, this amazing other parable. And he got cleaned up. But I don't know if he ever fully gave his heart to the Lord. He went back home, out of state, got involved with a cult. The next time we saw him, literally, he hated us. He hated us. Visceral, facial, you can feel the body language. We helped him financially, we did a lot of things for him. He went completely to the other side, and I'm gonna talk about that. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does a person go from from here all the way to there? How does a a good kid from over here become a ratali- radicalized jihadist? How does it happen? Is it just mental? There's more to it than that, I'm going to tell you that. Verse 22 Well, I just let me back up for a minute. For those that are skeptical, I often say this, oh, I don't believe in a literal devil. Unwittingly, they're controlled by him. And that's, that's the irony. I'm going to make that statement again. Those that scoff and think it's funny then there's no such thing as a literal devil, Ironically and unwittingly, they're controlled by him, okay? Verse 22, the strong man is overcome. His weapons are stripped from him. He has his goods plundered. In Colossians 2.15, it says that Jesus disarmed, disarmed, that's a great word, disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What did the the world see? You call yourself the Messiah? Half naked, he's got nails through his hands and his feet. He's bleeding to death. He's got a crown of thorns. What a mockery! From the outside, again, they're not looking at they're not looking at that that realm. They're just seeing things from the outside, from the physical world. But there was things going on that Jesus did by dying on the cross. He was destroying the, the strong man's strength, taking away his armament, and plundering his goods. And I got to tell you, I. I can only think of, in my mind, a, a physical thing that happens, and you hear these horrible stories, and your heart breaks about these thugs, these ISIS soldiers, who come into villages. Big bullies. With all the guns, people have nothing. They pistol whip them. They torture them. They, the Christians are crucified. They, they enslaved, especially the young females. It's, it's horrible. And it, I love when I read about our special forces who go in there. I'm going to tell you something. They, they like what they do because they know they're doing the right thing. And they take these guys out, somebody stronger than them, with better weapons, better trained, and they free these people. I Just think of that. And it's a great thing. I'm the guy who cheers when I read those articles. But Jesus, in the spiritual sense, is the hero who overcomes evil and plunders those who are being enslaved and blinded by it. Let me ask you a question. He came to save and free the captives. Are you still a captive to your sin? Don't shout it out, please. Are you a captive to your fear? Are you afraid of the dark, demons? Well, this morning you don't have to be. You can be free. And the Bible does tell us, like, like spiritual cataracts, the scales that fall from the eyes, when you're subjected to the word and you hear the word and it's being preached and you're hearing it, your, your seeing starts to change spiritually. You start to see clearly. Verse 23, if I can paraphrase this, Jesus is basically saying to him, since you brought up the whole Beelzebub and demon thing, let me tell you the truth about good and evil. You're either on one side or the other. Which side are you on? Joshua 24, I love this. Joshua commands the children of Israel to make a decision on whether to follow God or the demonic entities of their pagan neighbors. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Jesus is also saying that to be undecided is is not a side. You default to the camp of passively allowing evil to continue. When that happens, choose a side. Because there are no spectators in this war. The word scatters in the Greek, he says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. The Greek word is skorpidzo, which means to waste, to scatter, to disperse, to put to flight. So in a, in a, a real battle situation, one army fights another army, And the stronger army scatters the weaker army. In society, we see a lot of forces that are trying to scatter, to disperse. Anybody can do kind of a mail order thing and get a title called reverend, or today it's just so easy to do. And you see a lot of talking heads when you turn on the TV, no matter what news station you're watching. Reverend this, pastor that. And you see some of of them that are filled with hate. They want to tell us in society that we should be divided, that we should be divided in different camps, by gender, by race, by... Those people are messed up because they're constantly dividing, they're constantly scattering. If we are people of God, we should be calling for unity. You know, we should be calling for coming together in the name of Christ to do that spiritual battle, to come together no matter who you are. You believe in the Lord, you're a believer, you know, let's warfare, let's get into the spiritual battle, because we, each other, we're not the enemy. We're all on that same floating rock, like, right? Was it the third, third from the sun, I believe, the earth? Am I right? Third? Psh, help me, you guys, anybody awake this morning? <laughs> Something like that. But we're all in the same boat. We're all in this together. And we, we really need to be unified in what we're doing and fighting these spiritual battles. Three scattered. I'll go another another step on an individual level. Those that are very far from God, maybe some Satan is actually allowing them to be successful to keep them blinded. But many, the further away f- you go from God, it's chaotic. It's a dysfunctional lifestyle. There's confusion. How many times do we read about comedians, uh, ball players, uh, Hollywood people in their personal life? It's a mess. All that money and all that fame is not going to make you happy and it's not going to make you stable. That's a prime example. If you don't know the Lord, the further you go away from God and Christ, there'll be confusion. There'll be a scattering. It'll happen in your own personal life. So, Pastor Joe, what can I do? Pray. Pray. You know, and, well, I'm shy. I don't know. I'm, I, I can't do what you do up there. I, it's not me. okay love people show compassion and they'll ask you when everybody in work is terrified about what they see on the news or everybody you know is angry at the boss and you're you're kind of keeping things cool and they look at you and like why are you so different how many times have i heard that from christians oh they somebody asked me and it was an open door it's like wide open like the garage door was lifted up you ain't kidding Share the truth of God's word. What does God's word say? What does Jesus say? Matthew 16, 19, Jesus gave the church the ability to bind and loose. And much of it is through prayer. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And there is a, definitely a contextual application, but we actually become a part of it. When we go into our prayer room and our, our closet or whatever it is, and it's quiet or with other believers... We're transported into the spiritual realm. It's amazing. And, and we petition the almighty God of all creation, you know, to help that person, that loner. And, and this is it, guys. Some of you, well, the youth are in here this morning. Some of you are in high school, the loner, the kid who's by himself. And maybe at some point he finds the wrong people to hang out with and, and he does something tragic. Or maybe you just befriend them and love him or her. And then you talk to them. And and maybe you don't even know it. You don't see it on the earth, but in in the end, we'll find out that you thwarted a horrible event that could have taken place at your workplace, or your high school, or your university. And you like so when you say, "Well, what can I do?" I'm only one person. Exactly, God's looking for a lot of one persons to do His will. Ephesians six ten through eighteen helps us to understand the spiritual armor we put on. When we engage in this spiritual battle, battle I, I suggest you read it. I've uh, taught on it extensively, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, where the mindset, the heart set, the spiritual set, what are your offensive weapons, what are your defensive weapons in a spiritual sense? It's powerful. We continue on, verse 24. When an unclean spirit, a demon goes out of a man or a person, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. He says, I will return to my house, which is the person from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. It's clean. I left this place a filthy pigsty on purpose. And look, it's clean spiritually. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell in that person And the last state of that man is worse than the first. The fourth point here is the parable of the wandering demon. This kind of illustrates the MO or the modus operandi of the demons and what they do. They like to inhabit people. So, in a spiritual sense, they're like viruses or bacteria, and they can multiply. And they can do a lot of damage by, well, look how much damage they did by inhabiting Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao. Millions of people died at their hands. One person. What God is saying is, use one person. I want to use one person to do good and to change things for the better. In this, the person is delivered but has not fully accepted Christ. And there's this constant wavering that goes on. So, and I can tell you something that's dangerous ground. Like the person I mentioned earlier on. You know, you dabble in the things of God. You dabble in the Ouija board or tarot cards, you dabble in the things of God, you follow the Long Island medium, hear what she has to say, you dabble in the things of God. And, you know, I'm not saying that everybody is inhabited by demons. it's not saying that either. I'm not painting with a broad brush, but we can do things as believers, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but people can do things to almost become portals to the underworld. I want to know from that realm what happened to so and so who passed away 10 years ago. That's dangerous. That's because you're, you're, it's a blanket call to who, whoever's listening. Somebody will answer you, and they'll pretend to be a person who passed away, and it's, you see it in the scripture, right? They're deceivers. You just opened yourself up. Oh, it's just... Again, I don't, I don't watch those movies anymore, but you see the commercials on TV of you know, the, the kids are playing with a Ouija board and something comes out and it starts murdering all the people. It's bad. It may not be exactly like that, but you're calling up something that you have no idea and you have no control over. Be careful. Your friends are doing that, do something else. It's not just a game, it's a portal. So, physiologically, what does this look like? Well, we live in a world of time, space, and matter. These are created things. Our bodies are matter, right? There's molecules, there's atoms, there's compounds, there's, you know, when the, when the surgeon opens you up to do something, there's layers and layers of goo inside your body. And it's like, you think, well, the body is filled. It's actually not so you put the matter aside there are spiritual components as well if we're a believer somewhere somehow the Holy Spirit seals us some of the things that even the most articulate pastors cannot explain how does that happen it's God's love by the same token some can open themselves up to demonic entities Dylan and Klebold the um, Columbine massacre in the high school you know I saw a movie based on um, one of the young ladies' lives who was a Christian. And they kinda show you how these young men, they got radicalized in another way, to kill students, to blow things up. Thankfully, the bombs didn't go off. Because what happens is, there may be matter, there may be visceral organs, but there's also a void. And something needs to fill it on a spiritual sense. There's a void, there's a vacuum. Is it gonna be God? Or is it gonna be something else? And when you're neutral, and it's not, you're not going for God, there's an opportunity that it could be something else. Jesus also speaks about this, this person who the demon leaves and then comes back with seven more. He speaks about this with generations. right? He says not only can this happen on a personal level, but it can also happen in a generational level. It happened on a township level when Jesus spoke about this in, in another portion of scripture in some towns that, that fancied him that kind of went back and forth with him and then they just kind of rejected him and the worst part of this the this, this scariest part is that seven more demons come in and re-inhabit the person don't let that be you I've had people that have come to this church that said I feel such a peace when I'm in service and when I'm here and they've almost alluded to, if not outright said, that they want to sleep here. There's some code, code violations with that. We could get in trouble, so I can't really allow that. But my job, or what I try to explain to the person, is the, the peace that you're experiencing, the Word. You know, demons don't want to be in here when the Word is being preached and when people are receiving God's Word. But what you want to do is you want to take that person and fill them or get them to a place where they can have God for themselves. And when they leave the place... No matter where they go, they don't have to say, well, I want to come to church to feel that. They can feel that or have that experience all the time. Verse 27, last two verses. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the woman that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So five out of five is what really matters. What I love about Jesus is, and it's so cool, one of the many things I love is when he came to earth and his, his words were recorded and he talked about what he experienced in heaven. I love that because I've never been there. Um, I'm going there because God has promised me everlasting life, but I haven't been there yet. Or when the apostle Paul was brought up to the third heaven and he says, I can't even explain the stuff that happened there. You know, words don't do it justice. But... What really matters? Well, if you remember in Luke 10, the disciples were amazed when Jesus sent them out and they came back and they said that even the demons are subject to us in your name, Lord. They couldn't do it by themselves. They were so excited. Jesus responded, I saw Satan fall like lightning. In a blink of an eye, God cast him down. Don't marvel that you have power over the demons, but marvel that your names are written in the book of life. Marvel that you go into heaven. And here, Jesus says, it's great. The woman, it's an excited utterance. She's like, wow, your mother must be such a lucky person. And he's saying, what really matters is, is those that hear the word of God and do it. Just like it goes back to our last parable last Sunday. Are we following the word of God? You really want to be blessed? Even Mary knew in Mary's Magnificat, she even said that she was a sinner and needed a savior. So every person on the earth needs Jesus Christ. What, what we hear the word of God and we do it. And our names are written in the book of life. Of course we have to trust in Jesus as a Lord and Savior. If we could put up that image one more time. We live in a created world. God created time, space, and matter. But the real and eternal world, I submit to you, is the spiritual realm. Every day, Satan and his demons blind the eyes and control many of the unsaved. But Jesus gave us hope because the strong man, and that's the frustration. Again, I see it when you, when you see, whether it was World War II or things that happen today, you see a dictator, Kim Jong-un, who holds his people in prison. And it's frustrating to our sense of justice. It's so unfair to those people. When are they going to be freed? Well, in a spiritual sense, Jesus bound the powers of darkness so that people could be saved. So many people are are saved. Uh, Chinese people are crossing the Tumen Tumen River and going into North Korea and sharing the gospel at at peril of their life. That's how excited they are for the truth of the gospel. People are getting saved. So the strong man can be bound and his plans thwarted in the spiritual war. Jesus did it. And he taught his followers to do it, especially with prayer, and sometimes by the casting out of a demon. You know, I've met people that have come to me and have known things about me in my past, and in my mind I'm thinking, hmm, like, Lord, is there somebody controlling this person? Like, they'll just go up, just come up, and it's definitely a spiritual thing. It has nothing to do with anything. It comes out of left field, and there's some that I've said, i you know... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, trying to cast whatever it is out of him. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to give it a shot because I'm in the battle. I'm in this, okay? Many, as a result, will flee his clutches and come to the light of the Savior. And the truth is, a day is coming on God's prophetic timetable where all evil on earth and the spiritual realm will be destroyed. But until then, folks, we continue to fight this battle. There's no neutral in this war. We're either engaged or we're on the sidelines, passively allowing evil to to run roughshod. I'll just give you this last kind of idea or image before we close. Um, How many of you saw saw the movie about World War II, Saving Private Ryan? Okay, a lot of you. There's a scene where it's getting close to the end, and the Nazis are going to lose, but they're fighting really hard. There's a great analogy there. And this one big uh, you know, big Nazi guy comes in and he ends up going to where the Americans are and he starts killing them and he stabs one to death. And one of the, the Allied soldiers, one of the Americans, I think his name is Mellish, he's on the side and he's, he's, he's in fear. He can't bring himself to save his friends, to at least try. And when the, the bad guy kills you know, the Americans, he comes down the stairs and the American guy goes like this. He doesn't even kill the guy, he walks right past him, and he continues to fight. I can make a spiritual analogy in that, in that just like the, the, the bad guy didn't want to kill him because he's a coward, leave him alone. He's only gonna help us out. He's only gonna mess up the rest of the, he's gonna count his strength, all the cowards, but they're not gonna be effective. Now, later on, he does get a sense of, of, of bravery. But for, the, for a spiritual understanding, there's a lot, and even as believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, they're just living a life that's about them, you know? And they're, th- this, this isn't even a thought. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that they're cowards, but they're on the sidelines. And they're passively allowing evil, right? That expression, the only thing that uh, can allow evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. Folks, I hope I'm I'm getting you excited about this. This is a beautiful day, and I'm just going to be honest. There's a lot of empty seats today. Look around. This place gets filled, usually in the late fall and the wintertime. But in the summer, people are gone. In this church, I talk to other pastors. I'm just going to be real with you. Did he say that? Yeah, I just did say that. There's so many other better things to do than come to church on Sunday. Hey, pastor, will you quit talking already? There's still some sunlight. I want to go out there and it's a shame because this is going on and we have the ability to be a part of this Jesus bound the strong man not so he could do everything but he is going to so that we could be a part of it in prayer in 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 having compassion and love and sharing the word when we know the word at funerals at memorials at things where people are looking and they're they're looking around they have questions folks when the Lord says, it's done, it's done. We rest. We're in the kingdom. Great time. No more. No, nothing else to fight. But until then, got to get in the battle. Because it's raging, it's intense, and especially what we saw yesterday and what we're going to continue to see, it's not stopping. It's going to become worse. And we as believers, could you imagine if every Christian in the world was praying, was a praying Christian, was a spiritual warrior, How different would the world look? I don't know. Let's try it and see. Let's pray.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey.